Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go! What are you looking inquisitively at? It's all your stuff. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, so I'm looking at the bookshelf, and I'm like, I don't recognize that book. <laughs> what is that what book is over that there book? on my bookshelf? Um, oh, and I know what it is now. Never mind. I just bought it not long ago. That's why. Which book? It's called Finite and Eternal Being Oh, by Edith book. Stein. Edith Stein. Yeah, that's a woman who uh, was a Jewish woman, and I don't know the full history, but she ended up becoming a Catholic nun. And she, oh, Jesus, looking at that spider on the wall, just crawling up there. That is, a, it's a quick Jesus boy, too. Jesus Christ, quick, man. Yeah, fucking. Just leave it, it's fine. Yeah, anyway, Edith Stein, um, she, became a, she became a nun, and she wrote a bunch of really mystical Christian shit. Jewish lady became a nun, eh? A Jewish w- woman became a Christian mystic. And that's kind of interesting to me, man, this whole Christian mysticism. I feel like that's an untapped uh, reservoir of information I need to check out. You should shorten it into one word. Christian mysticism? Christicism. Christicism. I love it. I, th- I like it, too. Trade, trademark. Not to be reproduced without express permission of Ricky Bobby Inc. <laughs> um, so, Christian mysticism, eh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's like... Don't, a- d- Go ahead. It's like the Sufi. The Sufis over in Islam, they're the mystical uh, ver- version of uh, Islam. Yeah. That's also interesting to me, the Sufis. Sufis? Oh, I think, if I remember correctly, they're... It's a funny name. They're Iranian. They're more like Iranian, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. I've been wrong before. Have you? Speaking of which, you know, sometimes I go back and listen to the podcast um, just to just to hear how it sounds and ch- try to critique myself and get better and all that. And um, sometimes, man, I just get going. My, my gums will get flapping. And, I, and I'll say things I didn't mean to say, and uh, some of it's embarrassing. Like I was talking, I, I was talking about the gestation period. I just made a reference to how long a woman has to carry a child, and I thought I said nine months. I said twelve months. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> just that kind of that, that kind of shit, you know? You ever see that um, something from Parks and Rec where um, what's the dude's name? Big famous guy now, not Chris uh, Pine, Chris Pratt. Pratt, yeah. Um, He's like Andy Dwyer, I, was, I believe. Is what I was he born means. at born at twelve months, with a full head of hair, full head of teeth, <laughs> <laughs> full head of teeth. That's the thing that kills me too is that he says a full head of teeth. Yeah. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, man. I've never watched that show. So I've that, only seen highlights on the internet. Yeah. So it's like that's an interesting show, Parks and Rec, because it's um clearly, very clearly, um, using the success that the Office had, the the format. They just like, hey, we're gonna do the office, but we're gonna do it better, and we'll get as many views. I mean, we'll, we'll, it'll still be as popular a show as The Office. I don't think it was 
but it's it, pretty popular. But it was pretty popular. They did have a pretty all star cast. Um, Ron Swanson is terrific, and that's enough to kind of like make the show worthwhile. The more they focus on Ron and Chris Pratt's character, the better the show is. Um, and then the main character, of course, Leslie Nope. Uh, what's her face? What's her What's her name? The actress, um, blonde SNL lady. Uh, I can't remember. Oh God, You're, we're both sexist. Can't, can't remember everyone's Leslie name. Leslie Mann. <laughs> no, damn. There's somebody yelling right now. Whatever. You know who I mean. It's Leslie Mann. She's the worst part of the show, and she's the main character. Yeah. She's not terrible, but she's the worst part of the show. What is that lady's name? <sighs> she did the cheerleading skits with uh with Will Ferrell on SNL. Who's um, the other one? What's the other one's name? The one who does Thirty Rock. What's her name? Oh, her name is um. God damn it, man. Faye. Tina Faye. Tina Faye, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So what is the other one's name? I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking that if I knew <laughs> Tina Faye's name that it would shake the other one's name loose. But it's not. It, it it's didn't not work. Working. That apple tree shake didn't drop the Tina the Faye fruit. And Hold on, I'm gonna find out in a second. Let me just Google it because uh, this well, is I taking too goddamn. Can... Alright, then I'm just gonna know. Um No, once you know, I want you to tell me, but until then I'm gonna try to keep going. Tina Fey and Leslie Nope. No. Amy Amy Poehler. Amy Damn Poehler. Damn it, Amy fucking it. Poehler. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Fuck, man. Um, you said on a podcast uh, a, a little while ago that you were going to get into the, uh, the Germanic and Norse stuff. Mm-hmm. And you... I, was, I didn't remember this, but you rattled off a whole bunch of um, details of the... Viking myths and the stuff about Odin and shit, like, like you were really getting into it at some point, mm-hmm. and then that just fell off the face of the earth. No, no, I still am interested in it. But you told us, and everyone listening on the podcast, that you were going to go to this park. You were, you would continue to go to, to this park. park. You were going to have some sort of ritual in the river or something. A ritual. We, in all, the we river. were all expecting a ritual, a river ritual. Yeah, I never developed a river ritual. Fuck. But that's a cool park, though. You should go to that place. Yeah. You told me I should, but it's you, a great park. You didn't tell me what park it is. I'll tell you later. Okay, tell me later. We don't want all these assholes going to the great park. Yeah, all these know? assholes that are listening in Germany yeah. to yeah. come over here. Yeah, stay out of our parks. You don't have any parks over there. Yeah, you don't have any natural gas either. That's true. You know, they don't have as much like uh forested park property or property, but you know, um areas in Europe. Like protected parks? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean Yes, and also they've just been there for so long, you know, that they've you know kind of spread all over. Mm. You know what I read the other day about that? Um, you know how like in Europe, all of the forests, like what we would consider to be like communally owned parks, all that protected land, that all belonged to the kings and the um, and the uh, lords, you know, mm. and so did all of the resources in the forest. That's why you couldn't go hunt because the, it was the king's deer, right? You're poaching from the king, right? Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they had a uh, they had a loophole with acorns. This is weird, man. Acorns just fall off the tree, and if the fucking if nobody picks them up, they just you know they get eaten by animals or they whatever they turn into oak trees. But they belong to the king, you see. And but apparently, I think it was like pigs or something love them. Mm-hmm. So they just made this loophole that said, you know, if pigs eat them, it's fine. But if you touch them, you're going to jail. <laughs> it's weird, man. Yeah. Maybe it makes the pigs taste better, I wonder. Like blueberry bears, like Joe Rogan always talks about. Blueberry bears. Acorn pigs. Acorn pigs. 
that sounds like a thing, you know? Like just acorn pig sounds like something that someone would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. It just reminded me of uh, the image of the roasted pig with an apple in his mouth. Yeah. And my daughter brought home a thing from school, and it, it was about uh, an apple uh, variety that they grow. I think they like... I think they like genetically engineered it, I think, or they crossbred it to make it. But it's in like Japan or Asia someplace. She showed me a picture of this apple. It's like an ordinary apple off one of these things is the size of like a, like not quite a soccer ball, but yeah. like a fucking big ass. Is, is it a Wolf River apple? I don't remember. I don't think I so. I think that's a big ass apple. This thing's a, f- I've never seen such a big apple, man. You can make a whole pie out of one apple. Are they, did, did you eat it? No, I saw a picture of it, man. Oh, a picture of a it. Picture. I thought, okay. Yeah, so I, I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you how it tastes. I also heard about another thing. It's a uh, sweet potato from uh, like the Philippines or some shit, and it's purple. Oh yeah. And as soon as I saw a picture of it, I was like, I want to fucking eat that thing. I got to. I got to track down a purple potato. I want to eat it. Purple potato. I've seen purple potatoes, like the little heirloom little fucks. It's good alliteration. I didn't notice. Really, purple I'm, potato? Oh yeah. Now that you bring it up. <laughs> yeah, turquoise tater. What's new, man? What's new? Not much. Um, just think it's funny that in the you wrote the intro, right? Yep. Which, by the way, speaking of the intro, my mom thought that was a person. She didn't know it was a uh, like a computer software. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know how it works, man. I paid a guy. Um, but you wrote it, right? Yeah, wrote. I wrote the yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're in like 10 minutes. That's how talented I am. <laughs> it sounds like you say you want to be Sacagawea in it, you know? I say I want to be Sacagawea? Yeah, you say you want to be the Sacagawea to the people's Lewis and Clark. Yeah, I do. I guess I do. You want to be a lady? I want to, I want to be a, a, only if a I'm Indian guiding, lady? only if I'm guiding you through, through the unknown. Then I'll, then I'll, whatever, man, I'll be a lady. You'll be a lady? If, uh, if that's the way it has to be. Yeah. I saw a picture of um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show came up on uh, Netflix, and it's okay. uh, what's his face dressed like Tim a woman. Tim Robbins, I believe is is that it's no, not Tim? No, Robbins. no, no, not Tim Robbins. Tim something or other. I can't remember his name. It looks but like, I know who you're talking about. It looks like Bowie to me. I don't know if Bowie's in that flick. I don't, I don't think so. It looks like Bowie. What is that dude's name? Oh well, we're not doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so man, <clears throat> this past week I've been. All right, I'll tell you what, what I did is I started out reading this Von Franz book with my um, with my Young's Greatest Pupil series, and it was just a whole bunch of fairy tales, and this lady talking about the psychological interpretation of the images in the fairy tales, and I thought that was cool. Then I started reading this book, Edward Eddinger's, he does the same thing with Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really fucking cool too. So I thought to myself... If Von Franz can do it with these like folklore legends, and Edinger can do it with Greek myths, that um, that uh, I'll be able to do it. And we're back. You didn't notice, but my wife came in with a, with a jar of I think sauerkraut. Yeah, and she was like, "You got to open this." I'm like, "I'm right in the middle of the f- podcast, woman." But then she said, "I need your manly strength," and I was like, "Give it to me. <laughs> Give it to me, baby. I'll show you." And guess what, guys? I showed her. I opened it right up. And now your family's going to be eating healthy probiotic things. So, yep. Sorry. So, good, circle, good all around. circling back, um, I decided I was going to buy a copy of Aesop's Fables. Yeah. And see if I could do the same thing that Edinger and Von Franz did with those fairy tales and myths with uh, Aesop's Fables. Because 
I never really read Aesop's Fables. I've heard about them, like everybody does growing up, you know, but I'd never read them. And then I went and bought, I don't know if you can see it right behind you, there's a big black book, Hans Christian Andersen, and behind that I got Grimm's Brothers. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking read all of that shit and see what, you know, what kind of interesting shit is there. I don't know. But I never, I never read it, you know? All right. And like, you know what, man? Like those old fairy tales are fucking cool and interesting. Like Rumpelstiltskin is such a terrifying little story, man. It is pretty scary. There, there's Fuck one. To, story. Tell me if you know this one. There's a, there's a story. I, I don't remember, but there's a story. It goes something like this. There's a man who shows up at like a farmer's house, and there's two daughters. The farmer has two daughters. Oh shit! And uh, he's like this um, vagabond, you know. He's he's got a big beard. He's dirty. He's dr- he's dressed in a dirty cloak. He doesn't have any money. He's I think he's looking to like sleep there. He's looking for a place to sleep. And the story goes that he leaves. Uh, you you get the backstory. I'm gonna fuck this all up. You get the backstory where he makes a deal with the devil, basically, and the devil tells him that if he can go a year or seven years, I don't remember. He has to go a long stretch of time um, where he's not allowed to cut cut his beard, his hair, or take a shower. And if he can do it, if he can manage to do it, and every time he sticks his hand in his pocket, he's going to pull a handful of gold out. That's the deal. If you can, if you can be a gross, dirty bastard for a long time, you're going to be rich beyond imagining. And this is the deal he struck. And so the, the devil goes out, he kills a bear in the woods, because that's where they're meeting in the woods. That's how these stories take place. And he throws this bear skin around the guy. And this is the cloak he has to wear where he can reach his hands in the pockets and pull the gold out. And uh, it works fine for the guy for a little while, as you can imagine. While he still smells pretty good and he still doesn't look like a vagabond, he's like spending all the time at the bar. He's, you know, he's buying everybody shit. He's having a great time. He's drinking, he's eating, he's, you know, revelry and all that stuff. And uh, after a while, his money's not enough to like overcome the social stigmas and people are like you got to get this guy out of here he stinks he's people are scared of him i don't care how much money he has get him the fuck out of here and his life turns into a just as you can imagine how these stories go his life what he thought was going to be such a benefit becomes this huge burden to him and he wants out of the deal nobody will talk to him he now he has no social interaction um you know and he's he's like starving and he's like he's got all this money but he can't even spend it you know that's the kind of like twisted fairy magic that you see in these stories it's always something that seems like it's going to be good and it turns around to bite you in a million ways thing is this is a stubborn individual and he just fucking waits it out he just powers on and then at the end of the story he uh he goes back to the spot in the woods where he met the devil in the first place, or the demon or the fairy, depending on how, how old the story is. I don't know. And um, the demon takes the cloak off of him, um, takes him down to the creek, washes him, shaves his beard, you know? So it's like the devil grooms him, which is a weird scene to have. He's one. He's triumphant. And the devil, like, strips him naked and washes the dirt off of him and cuts his hair and beard. And, like, that's fucking weird. But that's what happens. Well, then he goes back to the farmer, right, where he first, where the story begins. He goes back to that farmer because the farmer's, the farmer promised one of his daughters to him. That's what happened. I left that part out of the story. And he shows back up, but of course they don't recognize him because he's handsome now and he's fucking, you know, wealthy beyond imagining. And he, you know, he doesn't look at all like he looked when he showed up the first time. 
And then the woman who was promised to marry him, who didn't want to, you know, who tried to wiggle out of it, um, she obviously then wants to marry him, but he ends up getting the other daughter. So there's like all kinds of moral lessons in the story. Um, do you remember this story? Does this ring any bells to you? No, not at all. So it's got to be in one of those books. It's got to be in Grimm's or Hans Christian. I don't know. It's got to be. But if those kind of stories are in there, that's fucking gold. That That's like material for, you could do like a Black Mirror show today and just use all those fucking stories and people, people would love it. It's you a know? good idea. Someone should do that. So the point is, I tried to do it with Aesop. Turns out it doesn't work with Aesop. No? No, it doesn't work. And the reason is, like I have the book here. That here, that's the whole story. Oh. You know, it's like a couple of lines or a paragraph at most. Every fable is a couple of sentences long. How are you, how are you supposed to get material out of that? I mean, they, there's material there, but not the kind of material that I thought was going to be there. Gotcha. I can't remember any Aesop's fables. I think I heard them back in the day. Oh, you know one of them. What? The tortoise and the hare. Oh, okay. Definitely know that one. That's an Aesop fable. I definitely know a few of them, but I just can't remember them off the top of my head. There's one I thought was an Aesop fable, but I didn't. I didn't find it in in there. It's about a. Uh, I think it's about a, a lion who gets a, uh, a splinter in his paw, and he can't get the splinter out, and it's driving him nuts. And a mouse comes along, and you know, ordinarily, the power dynamic between the mouse and the lion is totally one way. But in this case, the mouse is the only creature that can small enough to grab this little this little splinter and pull it out of the line. Anyway, there's a story about it. I didn't find it in there. Yeah. I thought it was Aesop, but maybe not. Maybe not. It's an Aesop impersonator. Yeah, one of them Aesop impersonators. Yeah. Beetle the Bard. So, yeah, Beetle the Bard. Uh, anyway, while I was going through here, I did I did an episode on Aesop. So it, it'll drop on Wednesday, and it's interesting. Um, but while I was going through this, I found handful of quotes from Aesop that like reminded me of those early episodes we did when we were doing Carl Jung on totalitarianism, Spinoza on totalitarianism. The idea is just do we find like political opinions from somebody that you wouldn't expect to see political opinions from? And if they line up with, you know, your and I's kind of I don't know if we have a consensus about politics, but you know what I mean? If they align well enough with like what you and I would approve of, that's interesting. And I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So if you're into it, we can do that with yep. Aesop. Aesop on totalitarianism. Aesop on totalitarianism. Yeah, so interesting things about Aesop before we jump in. Aesop was a slave. That I didn't know. Me neither. He lived in the 6th century BC, which makes him older than Socrates. So he pre- Aesop predates Socrates, which I didn't know. Um, it's old, man. And a lot like the Bible stories... Um, a lot of the fables probably weren't Aesop's. So it's like Aesop was known for doing these little sh- witty stories about animals. Other people were doing it, and they just said, okay, we'll call these Aesop's fables so that they get yeah, more, yeah. you know what I mean? So anyway, we have this compilation of like 300-some fables. Um, and uh, number 27 is the first one. Let me read it to you. Number 27. You tell me what you think. It's called The Fisherman Who Beat the Water. It goes like this. A fisherman was fishing in a river. He had stretched his nets across and dammed the current from one bank to the other. Then having attached a stone to the end of a rope, he beat the water with it so that the fish would panic and throw themselves into the mesh of the net as they fled. 
One of the locals from the vicinity saw him doing this and reproached him for disturbing the river and making them have to drink muddied water. The fisherman replied, But if the river is not disturbed, I shall be forced to die of hunger. And here's the moral of the story. It says, It is like this in a city-state. The demagogues thrive by throwing the state into discord. So this story, right, the guy is beating the water to try to catch fish. In doing that, he's muddying up the waters that are going down to the people who are trying to drink it, right? So they're getting muddy water to drink. They're like, fuck this guy. He's like, look, man, if I can't muddy the waters, I'm going to starve. Then they relate that, that, that story, if I was an ancient Greek, I would know they're talking about the government, right? How, how would you know that? Because, well, I wouldn't, but the Greeks do, because the moral is, it is like this in a city-state. The demagogues thrive by throwing the state into discord. So you've got somebody who doesn't give a shit about the people downstream, the majority of the people are citizens, who's muddying up the waters and fucking it up for everyone else, just a profit for himself only. I'm going to get the fish for me, and, and I'll, you guys can drink dirty water all you want. Got it. Now it's a, now it's this tale about the, how the government... Who wrote the... Um... The, you know, the moral of the story at the end? It's a good question. I think that they're part of the, the morals are part of the um, tradition of the fables. They go along with the fables. So the person would tell the fable and then talk about the moral at the end? I don't think. Explicitly? I don't think until it was written down. Oh. So I think you would have told the fable and then people would have known what it meant. But when they wrote it down, they wrote what it meant. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's, that's the, there, there's a one attached to every, every one of these fables. It's interesting. Um, like, I've listened and read a lot of, like, Grimm's fairy tales before, and they, they, don't, they don't do that. Mm -mm. There's none of that uh, explanation at the end, you know? Yeah, but they're also a bit longer, you they know? Are, it's like yeah. there's some more context involved. True. Know? What do you think, man? Um... Think Big government's just in it for themselves. I think they're muddying up the waters, bro. They're muddying up the waters, man. All right, that's uh, 27, so that. Next one's 38, and it's called The Fox and the Monkey Elected King. Okay. All right, that's going to that be... That sounds interesting. This is going to be cool. It reminds me of like a like one of those fantasy uh, Asian... Um, Shit, man, what's that movie called? That uh, Jackie Chan and... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? One of those, yeah, but the one I was thinking of was Jackie Chan and uh, Jet Li, I think? They no, did one together? they never did a movie together. <laughs> All right, fuck you. Here it goes. The monkey and the... F uh, excuse me, <laughs> the fox and the monkey elected king. It goes like this. The monkey, having danced in an assembly of the animals and earned their approval, was elected by them to be king. The fox was jealous, so seeing a piece of meat one day in a snare... <laughs> He led the monkey to it, saying that he had found a great treasure. But rather than take it for himself, he had kept guard over it, as, it, as its possession was surely the, a prerogative of royalty. The fox then urged him to take it. The monkey approached it, taking no care, and was caught in the trap. When he accused the fox of luring him into a trap, the fox replied, Monkey, you want to reign over all the animals, but look... <laughs> Excuse me, let me start again. Monkey, you want to reign over all the animals... But look what a fool you are. <laughs> All right, the moral is, it is thus that those who throw themselves into an enterprise without sufficient thought uh, not only fail, but even become a laughingstock. So this is just a, as far as I can tell, this is just a way of criticizing kings without criticizing a particular king, because otherwise Aesop would be killed, right? He can't say, you know, whatever. Fuck this king. Yeah. 
whatever. I don't know what who the king would have been back then, but whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just um, putting a king in that light, right? He he, the monkey becomes king. He he thinks you know well of himself, but he can't prevent himself from falling into the trap of the fox. So who deserves to be king? The clever fox or the or the monkey who earned it? You know, who, who earned the, he was, you know, voted king by the rest of the animals. So I, I just think, well, maybe we're stretching a little bit, but this is the best I can do. What do you think? I think that uh, that monkey was a cocky little bastard, and he got what was coming to him. Um, and you can't say that about a king, but you can if you're talking about a fox and a monkey. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Yeah. That fox, you know what they say about them. Um, that they're clever. <laughs> they're wily little bastards. Yeah, that's it. So the, the reason I bring up this this idea about him uh, maybe criticizing like important people but doing it in this like masked way so he can get away with it is because there's a r- rumor. I don't know if it's a fact, but there's a rumor about how Aesop died. It said he was criticizing the Oracle of Delphi. He's basically saying that the Oracle was telling you the future, but she was full of shit. And apparently he died by being thrown off the cliffs of Delphi. Damn. Yeah. So if you were talking shit about the king, that might be a fate that, you know, awaits you. I don't know, man. That brings me to 66. 66. And it's... Sex and Zexig. Ooh, German like a motherfucker. This one's called The Frogs Who Demanded a King. The Frogs Who... Oh, man. Frogs Who Demanded a King. Turning the frogs gay. Here we go. Here we go, Alex Jones. The frogs, annoyed with the anarchy in which they lived, sent a, sent a deputation to Zeus to ask him to give them a king. Zeus, seeing that they were but very simple creatures, threw a piece of wood into their marsh. The frogs were so alarmed by the sudden noise that they plunged into the depths. But when the piece of wood did not move, they clambered out again. They developed such a contempt for this new king that they jumped on his back and crouched there. The frogs were deeply ashamed of having such a king, so they sent a second deputation to Zeus, asking him to change their monarch, for the first was too passive and did nothing. Zeus now became impatient with them and sent down a water serpent, which seized them and ate them all up. The fable Here's the moral. The fable teaches us that it is better to be ruled by passive, worthless men who bear no spitefulness than by, product, than by productive but wicked ones. I would agree with that. So it's better to have a log for a king who does nothing than a than a serpent who's going to eat you. Fuck shit up. Fuck yeah. shit up. I think there's some truth in that, man. I think when the Yeah, I agree. I think the the more the bigger the ambitions are for the government, the more they want to accomplish, the more dangerous they are, man. Yeah. You know, that'll do much well. And the more the higher the price tag, or the higher the stakes, the fucking more dangerous that that is. True. I uh, I like Aesop, man. Yeah, man. So far, so good. Um, I mean, he lived in a time when monarchy was basically the only form of government. So, imagine if when you die, you keep some kind of like consciousness for what's going on, and you get to today, and you're like one of these other writers that wrote these things, and you're like, they're just saying that my shit is Aesop's now. It's like. I'd be pissed, dude. Yeah, but I think they wanted to. It's like, uh, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of an example. 
Well, it's like um, those Gnostic Gospels, some of those Gospels that were written well after the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones that are in the Bible, by the way, it's like the, yeah. the, the Gospel of Matthew so probably wasn't written. At the earliest? Probably wasn't written by Matthew. Yeah. You know, Gospel of Mark probably wasn't written by Mark. But we put Mark's name on it, people read it, you know. So you put Aesop's name on a fable, people people read it. That's the idea. I guess that's true. I would want credit, though. I'm a... That brings me to selfish bastard. That brings me to ninety one, Kyle. I'll read a couple more of these. Einen Neunzig. <laughs> you fucking German. All right, here we go. I'm impressed though that you know German numbers. German numbers. Um, this one's called the Sorceress. The Sorceress. Yep. It goes like this: A sorceress made a profession of supplying charms and spells for the appeasing of the anger of the gods. She was assiduous in her business and thus made a very comfortable living. But envious of her success, someone accused her of making invocation, excuse me, innovations in religion and prosecuted her for it in court. Her accusers succeeded and had her condemned to death. As she was led away from the court, someone shouted to her, Hey woman, you made such a profit from diverting the wrath of the gods. Why can't you divert the wrath of the people? The moral of this says, the fable applies as well to want, to wandering seeress who promises wonders but shows herself incapable of ordinary things. So like over-promising, saying that you can accomplish things but being completely, you know, you're just talking out of your ass. You can yeah. never, you know, like Obama saying he's going to stop the ri- rising of the tides. It's like, bitch, you can't what do you that. Do? Uh, yeah. So, but what's interesting to me is, um, where was it here? Um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The person was envious of her success, so accused her of making innovations in religion, and she was taken to court for that. Innovations in religion. Yes. Here's where this gets cool. That's the same crime that Socrates was supposed to have been guilty of. So they, they said corrupting the youth. That's what it says in Plato's dialogues, that he was, you know, corrupting the youth. But how was he corrupting the youth? They claimed that he was trying to innovate religion, and that was a crime punishable by, you know, death. You can't change the religion. You know what I mean? I think there's some political relevance to that, man. What do you think? There's political relevance in changing... And and not allowing it. So we can make make the the analogy that uh, today the church, the religion... The well, the government stands in place of it in our culture, so um, it's protected, right? It's Got protected it. in this unusual way. But you can also you can also think about it just from a cultural standpoint. If the religion is being used for social and political reasons, like controlling the masses and you know all the things people say about religion, um, then you make it like a too sacred to to be questioned. And if you question it or you try to change it, you try to change the order of things, you're off with your head. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Um, what's next? 96 is next. It's called The Orator Demades. Uh, the they're, Orator Demades. They're all nice and bite-sized, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the thing about Aesop. I read this whole fucking book in a day, man. It's very, uh, The brevity is unmatched. Mm, unmatched. <coughs> Except for maybe Nietzsche, who philosophized with a hammer. As Jordan Peterson says. Okay. <laughs> All right. The orator goes like this. The orator Demades spoke one day to the people of Athens. 
As no one was taking much notice of what he was saying, someone asked if he could tell one of Aesop's fables. Agreeing to the request, he commenced thus. The goddess Demeter, the swallow and the eel, all took the same route. They arrived at the edge of a river. Then the swallow flew up into the air, and the eel dived into the water. At that point, he stopped speaking, and Demeter, someone asked, what did she do? She got angry with you, he replied, who are neglecting the affairs of the state to listen to fables of Aesop. (laughs) So, okay, so you have an orator whose job is to spread the news, and the important news. It's It's about... the affairs of state, it's about society, the new new laws, whatever. Whatever people needed to know. He goes out there to the square and he tells people important shit. And they come up to him and say, yeah, I know you got important shit to say, but how about you tell us one of Aesop's fables, right, instead? So I don't want to get involved in the politics. Just tell me, just entertain me. And he gets scolded for that. He's like, you know, you who are neglecting affairs of state to listen to Aesop's fables. So the... Um, the moral says, men are, un- men are unreasonable who neglect important things in preference of things which give them pleasure. I mean, come on. That, that argument could be easily made today, and they were making it in the 6th century B.C. It's a perennial. People would, you know, they don't want to be involved in doing hard work, man. And government is fucking hard work. Yeah. I... There is still definitely part of me that doesn't want to be involved in government, but not necessarily because it's hard work. Um, but that part of me is definitely not as strong as it used to be. Like I would be, I would, I would be involved with the government. I'd be like, uh, I'll be mayor. I'm gonna be mayor someday. I'd be on the city council, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I just think back then, in the in a demo, it was a real democracy. You know, it was the birthplace of democracy, and those people had a responsibility. They and they felt like they had a responsibility to participate in the government because it's the government by the people. So you should participate in the government. And the people who say, "I'd rather just hear a nice story," um, those people are just looking looking for short term pleasure, and they don't want to occupy their mind with anything difficult. They just want to skate by, and. Uh, you know that's that's the that's the moral of the story. Yeah, I have like mixed feelings about that because I don't really believe in that kind of democracy. Um, so for me, I think that a person who feels that way, you shouldn't be involved. You shouldn't be voting. You know, don't. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, I think that the people who are interested in in doing that sort of thing are going to gravitate gravitate towards that anyway. So, true. I think if enough people leave it in the hands, like I'm, I'll do quote fingers. If enough people leave it in the hands of capable professional politicians, like I'll just leave it in the hands of somebody who who's clearly better equipped than me to do the job. If enough people think that, we're going to be ruled by cowards and idiots. And well, I mean. I don't know, there's analogies that can be made today, you know? And i just leave it at that. I mean, I agree I'm with saying you. we're ruled by cowards and idiots, Kyle, I, because, I, because smart people leave it, leave it to better equipped people, and that means exactly the opposite. If good, smart people don't take uh, an interest and do the work, then lesser people will do it, and that's what happens. 
The people in our government are lesser people. They're lesser people, man. They're people. They're like, they're like, you know how they say, I'm getting a little fiery now under the chest. You know, <laughs> you know how they say like people who can do and people who can't teach. That's what it is for politics. People who can are entrepreneurs and, and engineers and, you know, inventors and artists and people who can't go into politics, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying they're dumb, but they're not the best. People in politics aren't the best. And, you know, we're kind of to blame for that. We are to blame for that, especially in a democracy. We should demand better representation. Yeah. I mean, it's become, it's all like marketing, you know? A lot of it is being able to sell yourself, you know, within a a, a set of, what am I trying to say? Within set parameters, you know, like uh, if you step out of line, which I mean, they've been doing to Trump and Trump Republicans um, this whole time. You know, it's like uh, you're racist, you know, uh, if you go outside of those set parameters, they're going to start saying all kinds of mean, nasty things about you. Yeah. yeah. So I do think that they've been uh, crying wolf, which is another ASAP fable, by the way. Yeah, the boy, oh, okay. the boy who, the boy, did you know that the boy, who, the boy who cried wolf is an Aesop's fable. Um, there's been enough of that going on with uh, fascism, Nazism, racism, sexism, bigotry. They're calling everyone that the worst possible things, the words that we reserve for real, you know, danger. Like we want to, we want to label this person as something extreme so that everyone knows this is a dangerous thing. Well, now we use it for, we, we use it as a fucking, you know. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but we use it too goddamn much where it's losing its, it doesn't have the impact that it once had, you know? Mm. Don't yeah, you think? I, I definitely think that's true. I mean, I remember when the trend of calling people racist uh, like that started, or not even necessarily started, but uh, when I first noticed it as something like, uh, and at this point, my ideas of racism were different than they are now too um so i i would be more likely to say that somebody was being racist back then um not so much anymore yeah that's interesting yeah what uh, what changed in that definitionally changed what like the way you understand racism as a concept changed or um yes my I would just say that I got context historically on issues of race. Oh. That's that's how I would put that. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how <clears throat> sufficient history can, like, shed a whole different light on, on concepts. Like, once you know the background, you're like, yeah. oh, I see It's like, oh, you mean on. that shit happened to everyone all the time? <laughs> exactly. Ever? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's another one. This one's called The Two Dogs. It goes like this. A man owned two dogs. The first he trained to hunt, and the second he ordered to guard the house. Now, when the one went hunting and caught some game, the master threw a piece of it to the other dog as well. The hunting dog was aggrieved at this and reproached his friend, saying that it was he who had gone out and had a hard time of it on every occasion, while his comrade did nothing and yet enjoyed the fruits of his labor. The guard dog replied, Ah, you should not blame me, but our master, for it was he who taught me not to work and to live instead from the work of others. Um, the the moral here is, uh, I don't think a very great one, but 
I don't think it's a very great interpretation. Clearly, this is this is talking about communism. This is talking about communism from fucking sixth century BC. Two dogs, right? One of them sits at home and does nothing. The other one goes out and does hard work all day long. And when he comes back, the one that does nothing gets a piece of his of his work, you know? Yeah. And the dog the other dog is clearly pissed. And what I think is great is Aesop says in the in the mouth of the guard dog and the mouth of the lazy one, right? Don't blame me. Blame the blame the master that made this arrangement possible. Who's who who in a communist if we make this communist, who is the master? Um Stalin. It's the fucking dictator. It's the it's the you know, totalitarian, authoritarian dictator. Uh, so I think that's a perfect criticism of communism before communism, I mean, long before communism ever existed. Like a long, long time. That's crazy. I wonder if Karl Marx ever read The Fable of the Two Dogs. Karl Marx? Yeah. I don't know. Or Friedrich Engels, is that his name? Yeah. All right. Communism, bad thing. I remember right. in uh, one of the game, or not Game of Thrones, what the fuck am I saying? Uh, one of the Grand Theft Auto games, you know how they had the the radio in ga- uh, yes. Grand Theft Auto? Yes. I keep wanting to say Game of Thrones for some reason. Um, but So the radio's a mix of music channels, and even they have DJs who say funny things. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also talk radio. Yeah, um, yeah. And wait a minute. Why did I bring up Grand Theft Auto? Talk about communism and then. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, there's something, and the this lady, she's a mom. She's talking about the only angles her kids are going to be reading is Laura Ingalls uh, Wilder. Who is it? is it? Laura Ingalls Wilder. Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Grand the, Theft Auto Radio, man. The, the, it's underrated. Oh, the GTA Radio was seriously one of the best parts. It's so funny. Yeah, like I, I would, I was always listening to that talk radio, dude. Yeah, Driving man. around. Uh, I remember one guy talking about letting animals pee into his mouth because he's so into hydration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? They, they, they hired comedians for that, for oh, sure. I had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're almost there. I've got um, three more. Three more. This one's called The Royalty of the Lion. Ooh. All right. Sounds prestigious. Goes like this. A lion who became king didn't get angry and was neither cruel nor violent, but gentle and just like a man might be. During his reign, the Lion King called a general assembly of all the birds and beasts for the purpose of sanctioning legal arrangements to bind the wolf and the lamb to live together in perfect peace and harmony, as well as the panther and the I don't, know, I don't even know what that word is. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. The tiger and the deer, the dog and the hare. In the great assembly, excuse me, at the great assembly, a hare was heard to say, How I have longed to see this day. The weak can take their place at the side of the strong without fear. And the moral is, When justice reigns in the state and all judgments are fair, the meek may also live in tranquility. So it's just saying, you know, that the that the king can raise up the level of the lowly people in some way to be equals to everybody else. Man, this isn't a great one, but what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's... A strong, a strong leader can make peace and raise up the, the lowly. Yeah, I think that that's true. Okay, maybe so. Maybe so. I think there's truth in it. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, this set may sound stupid, but think about a sports team and there's a player who's just like an electric, great player, you know, and when he's on the court or the field, um, the team just does better. Yep. Like everyone, their own playing jumps up a level mm. because that person is on the court. Yep, for sure. I think of people like uh, LeBron James uh, who will just elevate, you know, like he is so good that he just makes the team better. Uh, I also remember when Maurice Claret played for the Buckeyes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And <laughs> when he was on the field, it, it was like everything was going to be, every play was going to be a good play, basically. <clears throat> yeah. Um. It reminds me and of... And then he got injured, and we just didn't we didn't do as well. Yeah. That is interesting. Or, you know, he'd be off the field for some reason, and things just wouldn't go as well. I've noticed that with the with the Browns, too, watching the Browns. Yeah. Like, if one of their really good players, especially on offense, is gone, it's like the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. So I have an example of this, what you just said about rising to the occasion. Just first thing came to my mind. When I was a kid, like middle school age, young middle school age, uh, I had a friend in school, uh, shout out to, shout out to Matt Chow. He's like the only Chinese kid in school. He was, he was a friend of mine, um, lived a couple streets over. He would come over and play Super Nintendo with me because his, his parents were, well, they were super strict. You know how, you know, how, you know I don't want to be, I don't want to be, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he wasn't completing his violin lessons. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So very, very nice family. They used to they used to uh, pick me up on Fridays and take me to the library with him after uh, after school, and we would like um, play fucking Oregon Trail, you know, <laughs> shit. Hell yeah. Anyway, so Matt Chow, he was very, very smart, and he was in uh, he was in my math class, and he was super smart, man. He was always getting like straight A's and whatever, and just having class with him and being friends with him made me like, I don't know if I would say competitive, but maybe a little bit. And I want and I did way better, you know? Yeah. Because I had that contrast. So I get you, man. Oh yeah. I get you. Good leader elevates. Yes. Shout out to Matt. All Shout right. Out. I got two more. This one's called the wolves and the sheep. All right. He goes like this. Some wolves were trying to surprise a flock of sheep. Unable to be masters of the situation because of the dogs which were guarding them, they resolved to use a ruse to reach their desired end. They sent some delegates to ask the sheep to give up their dogs. It was the dogs, they said, who created the bad blood between them. One only had to surrender the dogs, and peace would reign between them. The sheep, not foreseeing what would happen, gave up the dogs, and the wolves, being in control of the situation, easily slaughtered the sheep who were no longer guarded. Mm. That's a good one, man. That's a Aesop's fable about Muammar Gaddafi and his nuclear weapon. That's <laughs> yes. exactly what that's about. Right? That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's like you convince... It's a mind game. It's a mind game. It's like Lao Tzu. Is that his name? The guy that wrote The Art of War? Yeah. It's a mind Boy. game, man. It's a Trojan horse. It's uh, brilliant, you know, convince the people that whatever it is that's protecting them is actually harming them. Do that, and the, the jig is up, man. And it's like, I think there's parallels there to, uh, like, all sorts of things, man. The Second um, Amendment. I think of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think of appeasement during World War II. I think of appeasement with Russia right now. 
Um, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, appeasement. Yeah, it's like just let him do, let him do a little more in the hopes that he'll stop. Just let him get away with a little bit more in the hopes that they'll stop. That's what they said to Hitler. You know, just let him do it, and then you know this will be the end. It's like getting rid of your dogs, man, and then it's too late. And it was getting rid of your dogs. Yeah. The dogs that protected the sheep in this case is... Oh, oh I see. I did, I, I've, I, the, the original fable had uh, slipped my mind for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what happened, man. Yeah. I think it's good. The last one I'm going to read you is 228. I think it's also... Well, I won't, I'll, I'll let you decide. It's called The Wolf and the Ass. The Wolf and the Ass. It goes like this. A wolf became chief over the other wolves and established some general laws to the effect that whatever was caught by the hunting would be shared communally. By that means, the wolves would never again be reduced to a shortage of food and thus to eating one another. But an ass came forward and shaking his mane said, The wolf has been inspired by a noble idea, but what about your catch of yesterday which you have concealed in your lair? Bring it out and share it with the community." The wolf, disconcerted, abolished his laws. So, this is another critique of communism, and I love it, because there's two that we've seen from Aesop before communism, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and many hundreds of years before communism would come to exist. Um, yeah, I wonder if, like, Sparta had, had more of a community like that, a more of a communal situation. So maybe there was, like, examples of that, what would become something like communism. Uh, but in this in this story, um, they basically say what happened was it the Mayflower or what what, what 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 was the first colony Massachusetts Bay is that the one it was the first colony that the people came over they basically starved to death and almost like almost all of them died I don't remember yeah so that that's what happened uh, I think it was the Massachusetts Bay colony but whatever maybe I'm wrong um, but yeah they came over from England they settled here um, they thought they were going to be able to grow crops and and in time and get ready for winter and they thought they would be fine wrong and <laughs> wrong and what they did was they they set up a commune that they, they where everything was going to be everyone work, would work hard all day whatever they got for food would be shared evenly among them that was what they decided yeah and what happened was there was a, a couple of lazy assholes they didn't do as much as everyone else and the whole thing sh- came crashing down because you get resentment and then the whole thing, you, it only works if everybody does what they're supposed to do. Yep. And they're, even back then, you know, even back then, some asshole did en- enough less uh, com- compared to everyone else that they're like, this fucking thing, this system sucks. Yeah. You know, this guy doesn't deserve it. That's what's happening here, man. The, the, uh, the wolves get, uh, you know, agree that, that living communally is fair and just and everyone's going to get, you know, what they need this way and no one's going to go without. It'll be fair and even. That's, what, that's, that's the kind of equity stuff that, that people uh, respond to when you talk about communism. And, but then as soon as the ass brings up that the wolf had a kill back in his lair, well, if we're going to share it, bring it out. And he was like, fuck these laws. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same situation, man. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, the there's a college over yonder of us, uh, a, a ways, as uh, they would say. That is, uh, That's exactly how they say it, yeah. That is uh, very liberal. It's a very liberal arts college, Oberlin. Okay, yeah. Um, and 
that college was started by two, I guess, two religious guys who lived in a nearby city and they thought that, uh, you know, things were getting a little too, you know, non Christian. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Like people were being a little too loose morally, things like that. Yep. yep. So As they moved like up, to do. So they moved, you know, west a little bit and they started a city that and a college basically. And that college started out with no tuition. You would just come and you had to like work to build the college up. You oh, know that's what I mean? cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like communist. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Unless you get a stake in the college, then it's then it's different. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> now that college is not religious at all. It's a uh, super super left wing. Is it? Oh yeah. You know, I mean, colleges. I guess colleges. Oh, you don't know in general about Oberlin College? Is there, oh, Oberlin there's something University? to know about it. Let's hear it. Yeah. It's a super super liberal it's like the harvard of liberal arts colleges okay it's like a it's a really like you know well uh what's the word i'm looking for it's well, a renowned liberal arts college gotcha i mean it's got like a music conservatory it's like actually a really good school oh i didn't know yeah um but it also is like extremely liberal you know like it's full of a bunch of mm -hmm. liberal arts students um but they don't call it the oberlin college do they I don't know. They might. They um, might. Uh, but, um, yeah. Huh. I, you know. Oh, uh, the more you know. Lena Dunham went there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. enough said. Uh, also, the guitarist for the bluegrass band, the Punch Brothers, oh, went shit. there. Oh, the Punch Brothers. I never heard of them. Oh, they're great. You got one mustache hair, dude. It's just long and curl. It's almost yeah, partly dude. curled up. I'm gonna I, grow the whole thing out. Yeah, that way. yeah. <laughs> I keep looking at it like I just gonna roll it up. Oh uh, boy, what you got, man? Um, I went to a I don't know what to call it, like a a class. Uh, um, you know, like a little group thing. Um, I don't know what you mean. You're not making sense. Oh, I will if you give me a second. Uh, it's like a group of people uh, get together where we were talking about converting to Catholicism. Oh, shit. And if I keep going to these things, um, I guess that's the path that I will be on. Shit. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go to the next one, so we'll see how that goes. How long is the ordeal? Months. Months. It's like the like the catechism. Is that what is that what your? I don't really know. Is there a test? <laughs> is there a multiple choice test at the end? I, that's a good question. Got to fill in bubbles, so you just have. That to... That would be funny, dude. This is I'm, I'm. This is pretty interesting to me. I think you should learn as much Latin as you can. Yeah. You know. I'll I'll, I'll switch over on Duolingo. I'll start learning Latin instead of German. Um, I, don't, I think that's gonna take a while though. <sighs> So how how serious you are you about a commitment like that? Is it or what does that kind of commitment mean to you? If you if you well, I don't have to make a commitment yet, um, which is why I'm gonna go like keep going yeah. for now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I actually kind of like the idea, to be honest with you. Um, I like the Orthodox Church as well. One thing I will say for the Catholic Church. Uh, is that it is more accessible 
Right. Um, they there's more of an outreach. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So there's enough overlap between the uh, like when you were talking about the Orthodox Church, you were saying that they that they take it seriously mm-hmm. and that you, that you respond to that because you can see that there's something to take seriously where other religions who don't do that kind of make light of it. And it's like, where's the, where's the sacred thing that we're looking for? If we're not taking this seriously, if we're, so you, you see that also in the Catholic church, that seriousness. Um, yes. Um, maybe not honestly as much. Okay. Um, that Orthodox church service that I went to was something different for sure. It was a, it was a very different experience as far as church services go. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, but Catholic churches, I mean, you know, like they, they swing the incense and stuff like that too, but yeah, I don't know. So this is where I would start to build resistance. And I wonder what you, what you think. Like there was a long time when I used to listen to Catholic radio, uh, (laughs) AM Catholic radio, because what was interesting to me was people would call in and they'd have questions. Some of them were Catholic, some of them weren't, but they were asking very strange questions, things that I never heard before. And I was just like, this is so interesting. Um, some of it was like doctrinal stuff, and they would they would call and they would ask about transubstantiation versus consubstantiation, that kind of business. Or, or they would argue about baptism and whether you have to be submerged or whether you could be sprinkled or whatever they do. I don't know. Um, but there's this whole language that came up that I never heard before when I started getting, learning about when I listen to Catholics talk, and it's like even words for shit you already know, but we have different words for. Yeah. You know? So it's like we, we talk about communion, and they talk about consecrating the Eucharist. That's like a whole fucking different language, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it has, like, what meaning is attached to it? I don't even know. It's a mystery. So there's, as a non-Catholic, there's mystery to the Catholic religion, because partly because of the language, partly because of the symbols, and, and you know, it's like, and it gets weirder than that. That's what I want to ask you about. There's things like the Pope, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pope, when he speaks from the chair, it's called ex cathedra. Yeah. Whatever the Pope says is like the word of God, and Catholics are bound by it, you know? Um, and there's praying to saints, and then there's confession. And those are the things that I sort of resist. Mm-hmm. We could talk about why, but I want to know what, what you think about that. The, the, the idea of the Pope, uh, the you know, a priest's forgiving of your sins and making you do Hail Marys, that sort of business, confessing. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not all, I'm not entirely against it. I just don't think the priest has any authority over me and the, the priest can't forgive my sins. But anyway, what do you think about those sorts of things? So what, what was the first one? It was three things, right? Yeah, it was three things. <laughs> <laughs> it's So it's, uh, well, let, let's start with the Pope. Okay, the Pope. I so I'm not 100% sold on Catholicism. That's why I'm not 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 committed. Yep. You know, at this point, I'm just like seeing what's what it's about at this point. Um, I think that at some point I'm going to have to either accept that there are some things that I am going to have like kind of disagreements with. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I'm either going to, I'm going to have to see if that's okay with me and I'm going to also have to see if that's okay with the church, you know? Um, I like that. Yeah. So if it's not okay with them, I'm not going to join, you know? Um, that's a really, 
noble of you. Yeah. So honest and and noble, you know, because some people would say there's something I want to get out of this. And if that means I have to bend the rules, then that means I have to bend the rules. And you're saying if it's not if it's not OK with them, then it's not for me. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't I from what I understand Catholics can be pretty you know what a, what's the word I'm looking for um open-minded oh yeah you know like they they're they're not pinned down by that literal interpretation of the Bible um things like that so I think that I might fit in so if so if you were let's say you're just talking to a Catholic priest and you're like oh talking about the prospect of joining the church and you said to him something like listen I've got a you know an interest in some of this there's an appeal to, to some of this and I'm I feel like I should follow it and I'm, and I'm learning more uh, but the idea that the idea that I'm being asked to commune with or worship anything other than God is is strange and difficult to me so when you pray to a saint or Mary, I find that, I find that strange. I find that, you know, a little bit hard to, to I swallow. I don't really have that much of a problem with that. And if they say to you, well, you don't, you don't have to, you know, necessarily go that deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it's okay with them, then I, I'll just, I'll, I'll pray to God. You can pray to saints and we'll be in, you know, we'll, you do you and I'll do me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about communion or what about a, a confession? Wait. I don't the what we were just talking about I I what was I didn't understand the the question that you were asking. Right? <laughs> no, I, I I guess I was just going back to what you said about uh, you know if the if the Catholic Church said you know you have to accept all of the doctrine or you can't be a Catholic and you're like okay but if if I don't oh, if oh, I don't oh, feel oh. comfortable praying to saints because I don't think that there is any d- divinity beyond the one God. Um, he, the Catholics are going to pray to saints and you say, I want to be a Catholic, but I will not pray to saints. And if they say that's fine, then you're okay with it. Like I'll pray to, I'll pray to God. You can pray to pray to saints and we'll yeah, go. I, okay. That is how I feel. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Just... Uh, uh, um, definitively this time. Yes. That is how I feel. Um, but I really don't have that much of a problem with the saint thing. Yeah. Um, like I don't think that you're praying to the saints and Mary as if they were God. It's just like um, they're closer to God. You know, they're like, uh, it's like if you were taking psychedelics, you have some like level of respect for the shaman. You know what I mean? Sure. And these uh, these saints and Mary, they're just like, I don't know, like a, a conduit to God, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the priest with confession too. It's like you're going and you're talking to this person who is, you know, educated and trained and has been, has been, has dedicated their life to living by these principles. And, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got like my head on both sides of the argument because I can see, like, I can imagine myself saying something like this. If I believe that, that everything is God, which I do. If I believe that, then if I sit down and I confess my sins to, to another human being, 
what I'm doing is in, is well, first of all, I'm in, I'm taking responsibility in a way. I'm admitting to my faults, which is important psychologically, but I'm also doing it to God. Even though I just said I don't believe that there's any intermediaries, I don't like that idea theologically. If everyone's God, and I sit down and talk to a priest, I'm talking to God, am I not? I, I'm sort of like arguing from a crisp perspective in a way that I, wasn't natural to me when we started talking about this. When we started talking about this, I took the other position that, you know, I, I'm reluctant for, to think that, I don't know how to say this, that, that worship is is offered to anything other than the highest abstraction, you know? That's the best way I can put it. You, you, you worship God because that's the highest ideal. Anything less than that is sinful. Some, you know, if you want to use Christian language, it's like you have the highest ideal and you're aiming lower than that. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely can see what you're saying. I just don't necessarily see Christianity that way. Um, like, I think that it's more... It's like, if we're all God, then you're just worshiping a, a specific part of God, you know, a specific aspect mm. of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I don't know. While we're talking about confession, I'll say, as you know, not being a Catholic, never having to, never having to admit that I did something wrong, there are lots of things that are that have weighed on my conscience in my life that I've never spoken about. I've never admitted yeah. to. And because I <clears throat> because I never had to ask for forgiveness or say I was sorry, because I got away with something, let's say, um, I, di- I, I, I think there's a disconnect between my perception of myself and my own moral actions. If I were a Catholic and I were forced to admit it and, and say it out loud... Something about that seems good. Seems mm-hmm. really good. Like people would be better. They would have a better idea of what they're like as a human being and what other human beings are like if they were forced to confront the shit they hide from themselves. You know? Because mm-hmm. you hide shit from yourselves. Shit you're not proud of. You know? Yeah. But I guess there's always the easy way out even if you're a Catholic and you, you go in there and you got that deep dark shit you never bring up. You just bring up the surface level sins. <laughs> you know I what wonder, I mean? What is the like... What is the legal situation with priestly confessions? That's a, that's a good question. I think it's attorney attorney client privilege type of type of deal. I think it's I think I don't think a priest can be forced to um, to uh, testify against you or anything. Really? Yeah, yeah. Even if you killed somebody? I don't know. I think so, but I don't know. Damn. Don't dude. don't take my word on it if you've killed if you've killed somebody. Damn. <laughs> Look it up first. Google it. What do you think the most fucked up confession a priest ever heard is? I mean, I mean, it would have How to be. How dark are we talking? The question is, if you did something that dark, the person who would do something like that and then go to a priest and confess, it's like if you're a psychopath, you're probably not going to do that. But what if you're racked with guilt and you're not a psychopath? But what's the worst thing a, a normal person like that could do? A, the worst thing a non-psychopath could do? Because I think pedophiles are psychopaths. I think you know what I mean. I, th- I would throw them in that category, um, and I I don't think all murderers are psychopaths, but a certain chunk of them are. You sure. know, but what's the what's worse than that, man? What's worse than murder? I don't know, man. Mass murder, torture. You know what's worse than murder? Torture, yeah, maybe. What? Just death by a thousand cuts. You know, like people who like 
psychologically fuck you up for 30, 40 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Worse than death. That's, the, yeah, that's a dark situation for sure. Yep. Shout, um, out, shout out to my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to become Catholic, but we'll see. Maybe I will. Maybe I, maybe I will. That's interesting. I will, uh, I'll find that very interesting. Mostly what's pulling you in that direction. What, what tips you over the edge if you decide you want to take that leap. Um, you know what I mean? Is there anything about your, the appeal to, to it that you haven't talked about yet? Mm, that I haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Cause we talked about the, the seriousness of it. We talked a little bit about the, like the symbols and the um, the pageantry, you know, yeah. we talk about some of that, like the ritual stuff. That's still there, yeah. With Catholicism, I mean, yeah, yeah. And that and that was also part of what you were, were um, enjoying about the pagan stuff when you were thinking. Yeah. You were th- getting into that, which is interesting. Interesting. Anything else? Um, Do you think it's a more authentic, uh, like a more authentic path to? spiritual spirituality than like the church you you're accustomed to i think it is i don't know i don't know what to think about that um do do you think that changing like going from a protestant church to a catholic church and having a pretty significant change in your practice do you think it's like one of those moments that like forces you to think about shit that you haven't thought about and like all the shit you accepted about church or that you already like um, dismissed when you were an atheist, you know, that you, that now you have to think about it again because you've like intentionally put yourself in this new situation where now you have to like recontextualize everything. So it forces you to think about all the shit, you know, that you believe and the shit about the church and, um, you know, like you, maybe you haven't done in a while. Um, no, not, I don't necessarily get that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> There's definitely, there's, for some reason, for for some reasons, there are things about the church that I was raised in that doesn't, like, do something for me um, that other churches do. Uh, It's hard for me to, like, really describe what that is. But, I mean, everything we've gone over is a part of it. Yeah. Um, I think trying to describe what that is is part of the journey for you. You got to, you got to wonder what it is like Jordan Peterson would say what it is that's glinting that's shining in the distance that you're that you're being pulled towards Mm. you want to know what specifically what is that and as you as you start to like get closer to it that's the circumambulation idea it'll fracture off and you'll go in different directions but Jung would say you're just spiraling closer and closer and closer to whatever this thing is but that's the interesting part it's like it's like a revelation to yourself when you know something's drawing you in, but you're not quite sure what it is. When you figure it out, you're like, oh, shit, that's what it was. It's it's such a beautiful feeling, man, when that happens. So I, I want to hear all about it, man, as, as you as you journey on, along you know, that path. Well, classes are Monday night, so. Okay. So I expect more of this next week from you. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take notes. Not not too many notes. I uh, the 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 father was wearing like a long, like he was very uh, like traditional, you know, like something from a movie, man. Yeah, like Nicolas Cage 
in Face Off. You can also, that's speaking of the language, you can also learn whatever the fuck they call those things. What do they call them? It's a robe, priest robe. That's what I call it. <laughs> priest robe. Uh, Father robe. How many, um, anybody close to your age in the group? Um, so there is me. I think there's four people in the group, five people, okay. maybe. Yeah. Okay. So it's me, this lady who is, uh, a cop. I would say that she's probably in her forties. A lady, a cop and a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Then there is a guy who's like a pipe fitter. I would say that he's probably late 40s. Okay. Then there's this girl who is very awkward. Um, she seems nice, though, but she just seems like... Uh, she seemed uncomfortable is, I guess, a better word. Oh. Better than awkward. Um, and she's she was younger. She was like, I don't know, maybe 20-something. Interesting. Um, and me. Yeah, and my friend Joe was there too, who is already Catholic. Joe, who I want to get on the podcast, should man, I'd love yeah. it. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um. So I saw it. Uh, in the, uh, I don't want to, you know, cut you off here, but no, the, I was... I, there's a different topic that popped in my head. It was an article that I saw, or I saw like two of them recently about cancer. Okay. Sorry. So if you want to go this down this rabbit hole, sure. let's go. Do you remember an episode of I think? Joe Rogan, I think it was Joe Rogan. My, it must have been one of those Stamets episodes where he had the mushroom guy on. Mm-hmm. One of those guys said that something people n- never hear is that when people are diagnosed with cancer, they can test their blood for f- fungal spores. They could test your blood to see if you have a fungal infection. Got mushrooms inside of you? They said people who have cancer test positive for fungal infections regularly. But that those tests aren't run regularly. So when they're run, pe- people find these fungal evidence of a fungal infection. But uh, but it's not part of like the standard. They're you not know, testing for that. They're shit. not testing for it with cancer. Uh, I saw two articles recently that say exactly this: that they found fungal spores in the blood of pe- people that have cancer, and that they think the cancer itself. And I assume they mean the tumors. Are full it's of are, are full of fungus, so that there's maybe an origin, right? That that you get some sort of fungal infection and it causes cancer. Watch out for that athlete's foot, guys. <laughs> what if athlete's foot causes cancer? That's that would be crazy. But it's um, but it's funny because uh, Stamets had all kinds of crazy shit happen to him, including those like military helicopters that came flying over his over his shop, and he got like his um or his lab, and he had. Uh, uh, stuff confiscated from his lab and all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, Stamets is an interesting guy. He, you remember the Portobello thing? What about it? Remind me. So he was talking about Portobello mushrooms and he was like, don't eat them raw. And he was like, that's all I can say about that. And he wouldn't say anything about Oh, God. It. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you got to cook those things. Um, and he made it seem like, like big Portobello. You know, oh. was like, gonna, like make his life uh, a problem. The mushroom lobby, yeah, it's crazy. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do with uh, the chem- a chemical in the mushroom, or if it has to do with how they're grown commercially and what they put on them. That's I don't know. Question. I have no idea. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's staggering. So uh, Stamets, who's had basically had 
negative interactions with the government and military because of his research on mushrooms. Um, he said at the time that he thought that there that there might have been there might be a mushroom cure or a mushroom treatment um, or like an anti mushroom treatment. There might there's a path. In, in cancer treatment that has to do with treating you for a mushroom uh, for a for mushroom infection for, <laughs> for a for a fungal infection um and i think that's fascinating especially because i saw these two other articles about it lately yeah what do you think of that man it's pretty interesting i don't like what is it what am i trying to say how often does a cancer patient have to come up with uh, being positive for mushrooms um, before that's like, okay, we should start testing that. We should like, we should make that a regular thing. It's a good question, but this is what concerns me about it. Mushrooms are natural and they're cheap and they're, you know, not copywritten and all that. So if you end up having a solution like that with the chemo industry and the radiation industry and the big, big hospitals and insurance and all that, that, colossal beast that controls cancer care that you can't undermine that without ruffling really important feathers and that there may be something like that there may be reasons why we're, we don't have the best treatments available and that's a critique of capitalism and it's not a it's not one i can easily dismiss you know yeah, yeah man that's a like the og um capitalist industry that is kind of like uh bad is the pharmaceuticals you know i've you know been hearing about big pharma for years for a long time oh yeah um did you did you listen to that rogan where he had the pharmaceutical sales rep guy on the former ph pharmaceutical sales rep nope dude if you want to know about the craziness that goes on in the pharmaceutical industry you should listen to that episode it was pretty illuminating man yeah it reminds me of that movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, that beautiful uh, what's her name? Um, I almost said Maggie Gyllenhaal. It was, it was, it was it, his sister. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, do you remember that? Right. Remember that flick? Loving other drugs. Oh, that was a that was a good flick, man. Yeah, I mean, I think Anne Hathaway was you know had a boob out within the first like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. So that that was interesting. She's a, yeah, she's a she's a hell of a gal. <laughs> <laughs> she's a hell of a gal. Uh, so I told you I uh, I had kind of a mystical experience. I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. It was strange. I was going to try to pivot to that when you were talking about Christian mysticism, but oh. we got we oh. got derailed That's by okay. other things. So one of the things that uh, we've talked about, and I think it's part of the reason why you're pursuing this like religious path right now, is that it, is, it might be possible to have mystical experience on demand, it might be something you can train yourself to to induce endogenously. You can just have one by practice, by meditation, by prayer, by some sort of practice. There may also be a possibility of walking around in the world like an ordinary, you know, or your ordinary reality, but having it like overlaid with this mystical experience. So, like, I'm walking around in like sort of VR headset, like a religious VR headset, where I look at the same world I used to see, and it, it's now overlaid with meaning and significance and shit that, that I used to be blind to. So maybe this is a possibility. So one of these two things, either either being able to induce a mystical experience on your own, 
without without drugs, without that sort of thing, or to have one all the time, to have like a constant mystical state of mind. And um, those are really appealing ideals to me. Both of them are very appealing ideas to me. And uh, whenever we talk about mystical experience, we always talk about psychedelics, and this is one of the things we've talked about. Are there other paths to having mystical experience? And if there are, might it be better to have it this other way, you know, a harder-earned way? And I think maybe there's something to that. So there's all sorts of reasons why I like this idea. Um, I told you that my last my last few mystical experience uh, experiences were like pulling me towards the real world more. The what I was feeling from that experience was something like, don't focus so much or don't get lost in these in this experience or seeking the experience, but try to experience it in your daily existence. There's some message like that. So all this corresponds. All right. So I tell you that to tell you this. I've been uh, messing around with some of the techniques that Carl Jung talks about and some of the techniques that Steiner guy talked about. And um, the other night, I was laying there trying to fall asleep. And you get into this state of mind where you're not asleep, but you're very close, you know, that sort of a state of mind. Mm -hmm. And when that happens to me, I get lots of like uh, images or whatever will pop in my head sometimes. Or my like little ego voice starts going and that'll keep me from sleeping. It's like, you know a little voice that tells me about all the shit I have to worry about and, you know, what I have to do tomorrow and all that shit. And, uh, and so I, I quiet that voice down and I'm in this almost asleep state the other night and I start seeing very vivid faces, like human faces. And it's not like a still, it's not like a photograph. It's like a moving, you know, realistic face, sometimes torso, sometimes whole body. Um, but it's, it's been unusual. It's happened to me like three or four times lately. And it's like very lifelike details, human faces, people who I have never met, never seen before, but I see them in my mind's eye with the same detail. I see you like very, you know, um, explicit individuals Mm. and it's been weird. And so I had this sort of thing happen to me the other night and I started thinking to myself, I don't know. I don't know how to exactly say this. Um, I started imagining that the little voice I was telling you about that doesn't shut up, that that's somehow attached to my ego and that it's not me, even though I think it's me. So it's like this youngin thing. But then I, I started thinking that this awareness, when I quiet that voice down and I'm just aware of, it's just nothing. I'm aware of nothing exactly, but I'm just blank awareness that that blank awareness is a different me. It's a higher version. It's a it's the God part of me, right? Something like that. I'm having this weird thought, and I and I thought that that part doesn't ever go to sleep. So like when my ego shuts off and I'm laying there in bed with my eyes closed, that awareness part of me is still wide awake. It's always aware, and that's the reason why, you know, if like uh, you hear you hear the baby um, make a noise, a very soft noise while you're sleeping, while you're dead asleep that you fucking wake up because there's some part of you that's fucking listening. Mm -hmm. There's some part of you that's on and listening and it's like tapping your little ego button like, hey, hey, wake up, the baby's crying. Something like that. This is what I'm thinking about. And uh, then I had this weird conversation. It's hard to describe. I had this weird conversation with that awareness part of me. My ego talked to it and it talked to me. And I know it's weird 
I know, it's weird. I, I didn't hear words. I didn't hear a voice. It's something like what happened to me when I had my mystical experience, mm. where I was thinking through something, and I, and it was like running up against a wall. Like I'm th- trying to think through something, and I, I can't quite figure it out. And then it's like, I want to say it's like a voice says to me, this is the answer, but it's not. It's like an epiphany. It's like something quiet, something that is voiceless in my consciousness was like opening up the path to to the answer to the question that I was offering or asking. And it kept happening. It was like, I can describe it like a wave, a wave of, I wouldn't say emotion, but it's not emotion. It's, it's like I started out, uh, you know, struggling with this question, and then I would get this epiphany. It's like the spike of the, of a aha, you know, and then it would wane, and I would feel that resistance come back. And it was like my mind would get foggy, and I couldn't even remember what what the aha was from a second ago. And it was like wave after wave of that, and I had to like, I had to like, I don't know what word to use. I had to like root around in my mind, in the quiet of my mind, to try to find the thread I lost. And I can't ex- describe to you what I was doing. I'm laying there with my eyes closed in a blank state of mind, searching for a thread. I, I don't even know what that means, but that's what I was doing. And then when I would catch the thread, like I was, like I was literally groping in the dark for something, and I would find it, and then it would be that peak again. It would have this epiphany feeling coming on me, and it was so much like the mystical experience that I that I had that was psychedelically induced that I couldn't believe it. And I'll tell you the message that I got from it. It's uh, if I can, it was something like recognizing this God part of me, this blank awareness that's always on. And I was laying there holding my wife's hand, right? And so I had this feeling that that thing was, even though she was asleep next to me, that it was awake and aware of the thing in me and that it was the same thing. So it was like this mystical unity, this, her soul and my soul were the same. It's just very romantic shit. Um, so I had this, I had this, uh, feeling, but the, the, but the, the takeaway, the important takeaway is something that I didn't ever quite see this way. And now I, I feel like I need to explore more is this idea that the little voice inside of me, the little ego part of me that contains all my thoughts and opinions and motivations. That's not, me, that this blank awareness that's there behind the scenes, that's the top of the hierarchy. That contains this ego part of me. And I have to try to identify with it. I want to identify with it. And the fucking weird part is, it, that is the, that is not the individual part of me. You know, I, try, I always talk about being an individualist and how collectivism is dangerous. The part that I'm trying to connect with that I feel like I should be collect, connecting with doesn't have my face, my opinions, my, uh, you know, desires. It's the most collective thing it's ever. It's the most collective thing ever. And that, sh- it's shaken me, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to go with it. Like I'm, yeah. res- I'm resisting it, but I feel like I shouldn't, but I, I'm afraid if I identify with that collective part that I lose myself and maybe I don't, it's like the ego death. It's like the fear part. I don't know, man. That's that's what that's what happened to me the other night before I fell asleep. Yeah. What do you think? You got to lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. Never ever let it go. <laughs> so I tried to do that last night. I tried to have the same experience last night, thinking that I no, I didn't work at all. But I I I, I had some bourbon last night. Oh, so you uh, muddied the water. I muddied the waters, and I went to lay down, and I just 
I like ate a whole bunch of food. I felt did not feel good, man. Yeah. It, it, you know, point is, I was there was no having that experience last night. I prevented it somehow. I think. All right. But I'm gonna keep practicing that and see if I can start having conversations with that with that collective part of myself. If I can have more of them, I don't know what that means, man. But one day you're just gonna become like Raiden. Mortal Kombat. I'm just going to sit down here in my eyes. You're going to see the lightning in my eyes. Oh, um, hair's going to turn to bright white. Mm. Trying to already. Oh, dude. <laughs> it's bad. It's getting real bad. Happens. <sighs> Happens. Hey, you're lucky, man, because your hair is not black. Yeah, my hair is light, lighter, mm. much lighter. So my wife's hair is closer to your color than my color, and you can't tell. Maybe she does have gray, but you can't tell. Yeah, I definitely have gray. Um, I can't tell from where I'm sitting. Yeah, it's not as easily yeah visible, but you look you look like a distinguished older gentleman. <laughs> it sucks. This kid that I work with, he's like twenty four, I think. Asked me how old I was. I told him, and he was like surprised, and he said that he would have guessed that I was ten years younger than that. That's amazing. Yeah, man. You know what it is? Is that you? You don't have kids. <laughs> yeah, that's probably maybe it. you got good genes too, but uh, yeah, man, they'll make they'll. They'll do a number on you. Yeah, I bet. Um, I've, I I have always just kind of had a baby face though, like my entire life. Until I mean, that's why until I grew the beard, the beard hides it a little bit. But yeah, true. I gotta trim this fucking thing up. Don't now. see a lot of babies with big old beards. Yeah, I've yet to see one. So, I don't know if that means they don't exist, but I've never seen one. No, no. So, uh, man, there was something that I was going to talk about, like current events, but I cannot remember what it was. One thing that keeps popping into my head right now, which is not what I was going to talk about because it's like two weeks old at this, at this point, but um, you see that teacher who was uh, trans and wearing the big fake titties yeah. in the glasses, yeah. like a wood shop teacher, he's yeah. wearing a wig. What's your take on it? From what I understand, that guy was on he was like about to get let go because he would not buy into like the the trans, you know, like he just was like kind of like no, I don't, you know. Uh and so this was him like, "Oh, you believe this, huh?" Let's see how much you believe it. Dude, I hope that is true. If that's true, that's so fucking awesome. It's like the most epic troll of all time. It is, but that sounds like the kind of sto- spin that you would hear. Uh, that you would hear if it wasn't true too. You would you would hear that s- the conservatives try to spin it that way. Yeah. But if it's true, it would be fucking awesome. Yeah, I. I mean, I do think it would be funny, but those nipples are over the top, man. Yeah. If you're going to have those giant boobs, you can have them without the nipples. But that dude intentionally have those nipples showing through the shirt. He went out of his way. Yeah. There's a, a level to which it is, like, sexually explicit in front of children. Even if they are, like, high schoolers, they're still children. They're, they're fucking babies at that point. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, that I think is wrong, even if he is, like, doing something that I think is kind of funny, you know? If he's doing it ironically, this is awesome. If he's if he's doing it seriously, it's disgusting. Even if he is doing it ironically is my point that mm. I think it's like maybe a little it's like come on. Like, you know. Yeah, but we're talking about it. True. <laughs> Somebody's got to do still, it. Still, we're still talking about it. Dude, that, that can you imagine if you were getting ready to get fired and you're just like, 
Well, then I'm trans. <laughs> and I've got these giant feet. Do you want to fire me? Man. Because they're not going to. And it's a public school, right? I think so. Yeah, it's I in think... Canada, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe not. I don't Canada, know. man. I feel bad for Canada. I feel uh, bad for lots of people right now. It's a rough time. Yeah. We're going to ask Daniel. We're going to ask Daniel if his uh, heating bill's outrageous over in the UK. I'd like to see how he feels about the new... Prime Minister, Liz Truss. Yeah, absolutely. should ask him about that. Truss. They're making a bunch of comparisons. To? Between her and Reagan. Because she wants oh, to lower yeah. taxes and she, you know, she wants to try to stimulate the economy, but through, you know, that way, through uh, deregulation and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which I think is awesome. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, you can do it carefully and that's exactly the right way to do it, I think. Yeah. That, uh, uh go ahead. No, I don't. That. Italian president or prime minister yep. or whatever lady. That girl's awesome. She that that lady is on top of it, man. I like the stuff that she says. Yeah. Hopefully, if she's you know, hopefully she does what she says. I listened to her speech. I, 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 listen, I read the translation of her speech. Yeah. You know, while, while she was speaking in beautiful, and beautiful Italian. A papa de beepo. A beepo de bobby. baby. That's exactly how it sounded. So that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to it, read it. And I thought to myself, that's solid, man. That's solid. I can understand why people are getting behind it. And it didn't seem over the top. It didn't seem, um, it didn't seem like, um, it wasn't pointing, it wasn't really pointing the fingers. It wasn't, it, it didn't, it could have been more aggressive, right? But it was subtle and it was still powerful. And I thought that was great. Yeah. And then I saw everyone's reaction to it. And I'm like, they made it out like this lady. Well, of course, you know, they, they said she's the next Mussolini, but they made it out like, you know, I just couldn't believe the hack job they did on her, man. Yeah, they were spinning spinning a yarn. It's ridiculous. And I hope it's successful. I really hope it's successful. Hell yeah. Yeah, because if it is, then other countries will be like, oh. You know what? If if the UK manages to weather the storm, this financial storm, better than the rest of Europe because of Truss's policies, and in, in Italy, uh, the, you know problems start to be solved in Italy that those two things will be I would hope maybe not uh, enough to push other countries to at least make them question um, you know these very very liberal policies that we've been pursuing for forever both of these potential uh, solution countries led by ladies as Bill Burr would say led by the ladies look at this man it's like a feminist revolution and it's on the uh well, the conservative side of the aisle. Yeah. yeah. That's strange. No, yeah, that's strange. I wonder what the liberals have. You know what? You know how they say it? They 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 do the Uncle Tom thing. They they say, "Well, this isn't this you're isn't an, legitimate an because Aunt Sally." Yeah, and Aunt Sally. <laughs> you're an Aunt Sally and Aunt Karen. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, yep. Um what else? What's been going on? Um well, your mom, your mom wanted to sponsor the podcast, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what you would sponsor. We don't really need much else, but we're uh, we definitely need to get uh, the ball rolling on uh, the um, screen YouTube screen sharing stuff. component, so we can start getting more like appealing content on YouTube. I think that would be interesting. I mean, Daniel's having success doing that, and it's probably worth probably worth it. It wouldn't be too too hard. Oh yeah, something new. What else is going on? Um. Nothing, man. Nothing. Did you watch the... Uh, I noticed we're both wearing Ohio State Buckeyes gear. Yes, we are. 
Did you uh, watch them yesterday? Um, you know, it's funny you say that. I had every intention of watching it, and it was on the TV oh, yeah, while we were yeah. at the bowling alley. Yeah. And I just didn't, I didn't pay any attention. That makes sense. At one point, I looked up; it was twenty-one to seven, and then I looked up again; it was forty-nine to seven. I was like, okay, <laughs> you okay, know. So they won. I didn't watch it at yeah, all. Yeah, they won. I did not watch it. I've watched more f- college football this year than I have in like years, though. Is it making you? Is it making you interested? No, in no, no. I watched like one game, so not you know. Yeah, I'd like to watch more. Uh, more UFC, but it's just so fucking late, man. Yeah, dude, it's fucking too late, man. It's too late. I got <laughs> to knock that shit out. Start having it like centrally located for timing reasons. For sure. I told my well, my brother asked me if uh, that, that uh, Jake Paul and who is he fighting next? Silva. Anderson. Anderson. Silva. So when that happens, um, I'll order it. He's going to come up, he says. So oh, if, he, okay. if he comes up, I'll order it. One of my, so I think in my, our podcasting journey, we should make our make it our goal to one of us should box one of the Paul brothers. Oh God! We're gonna get in there with they're gonna no mix it up with the Pauls. Fucking thank you. You know you don't think you could take Jake? No, I don't even want to try, man. No, dude, I'd get I'd, that dude couldn't handle my right hand. Mm. Not a chance. He's in so much better shape than me, man. <laughs> nah, he's not. I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> I'd, having a monster energy drink before I went into that ring, dude, he wouldn't stand a chance. Nope. I'd be dancing around him. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like yep. uh like Ali, like early Ali, you know, when he was like light he's like, it's a big guy. And oh, yeah. he's like light on it. That's a, that's what people say about me. So, yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yep. Lightning fast. I sing like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> What's that bro? Um, oh, that's from uh, the campaign, isn't it? No, no. no? What's it from? Step Brothers. Oh, Step Brothers, yeah. Campaign, that's a funny flick. That is a funny movie. He punches that baby straight in the fucking sure face. Does. Sure does. I just love that opening scene where he's like, uh, <laughs> Korean tilt to world operators are America's backbone. Yeah, man. Will Ferrell. I watched uh, a. Okay, so this is an interesting thing. The way this started out is I wanted to watch funny highlight reel type stuff of Donald Trump from like debates and you know press conferences yeah, and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So I go on YouTube and I type that sort of thing in, you know, the right keywords to get that sort of thing. There's nothing like that on YouTube. Really? From Trump. Or at least I'm not going to say there's nothing like that, but they make it very hard to find. It's like shadow banned, you know. You have to have like a direct link to it. You're not going to just find it in a search. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that's just a blanket thing for most Trump content. They just, you know, make it difficult. The, the only thing you can find easily is negative content. But you would think that those sort of um those sort of uh, montages could easily be critical of Trump. They would be mostly critical. I mean, it would be silly things he said. So, I would like to go on well, you can definitely find that, like negative compilations, compilations where, I, I mean, I'll watch those and still be like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, You know, it's just like the, the, the context of who's watching makes it funny or not funny. But, um, you know, it could have had, if it, if it was trying to make Trump look positive, it would have been edited slightly differently, right, things yeah. like that, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, so from that point, I went and I looked up like George W. Bush bloopers. Yep. That guy, man, he was a fucking mess, dude. A mess. He was a mess. I don't, I don't even really believe that he's stupid. Um, 
I just think that he's not a very like Arch- formally well spoken guy. Yeah. Like you can see him sometimes when he's a little bit more loose and he actually is. Like you, you can tell that he's like a an outgoing, you know, um what's the word I'm looking for? Extroverted. Uh, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, he um but when he has to like be more structured and say certain things. He it just he he flubs up a lot, man, and it's hilarious. It's, it's amazing to think that you could get to the level of office and not have the like public speaking chops that you need to communicate to the people. Like that just seems strange to me, man. Yeah. It seems strange that communication chops would be necessary, uh, or you know that should it should be a criteria. But you kind of see why. Maybe that's why the Brits have the the chancellor and the prime minister, so that they don't they don't have that problem. They can pick somebody that can speak well, that can you know st- go on television, and the person that is doing all the actual work, he, he's just behind the scenes. Which one is which in the United Kingdom? That's a good question. Is the prime minister the one who's doing the the real shit, or are they just the mouthpiece? Because like you, yeah, I think you tend to see the prime minister, right? You yeah, yeah. you do tend to. So, yeah. you would but think. it's hard to imagine like Churchill wasn't running shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Weird, Spe- speaking of which, man, I that we said I've said this before, but I uh, I think this is a good idea for the future is to uh, is to listen to um, famous speeches Churchill, Stalin, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. Hitler, uh, Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, and uh, talk about some of that shit on the podcast. But also, somebody on Twitter the other day posted big long excerpts from. Like the manifesto or the letters that Ted Kaczynski sent, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if he like sent them to the government or if he sent them to somebody else. Maybe, no, maybe they were journals. I don't remember. But Ted Kaczynski wrote a bunch of shit. Yeah. And it's fascinating, man. So I mean, if it's the main manifesto, he sent that to a newspaper. Oh, a newspaper. And told them to publish it, and they did publish it. And oh. That's how he got busted. Somebody recognized his handwriting or his like the style. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The shit that he was saying, they were like, "Oh, that's fucking." I, I've heard all this before. I saw I saw a couple things in there that were interesting. It was about how technology was going to change um, government and our social interactions in a hugely negative way. And I'm thinking to myself, like in the age of social media, like that guy was a prophet. Yeah, dude. and I just think that. Talking about that kind of shit would be interesting. Yeah. Any other uh, speeches or any other like things like that you could think of that might be worthwhile? Um, I would be interested in talking about some speeches from people who are like blatantly advocating for terrible things, controversial things. Yeah. Yeah, like. What, like jihadists or something? No, I'm talking about more like people advocating for like world government and, uh, you know, one currency. Yeah, that would be interesting. Things like that. Some Klaus Schwab uh, speeches. Yeah. Some George Soros speeches. Stuff like that would be interesting to me. I think George Soros and Klaus Schwab are. I think that they probably. Allegedly, they butt fuck is what I'm saying. I think probably, yeah. Yeah, they in front of a statue of Moloch. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going yeah. with that. Yep. Nice man. It's like we were like we were. That's so we were there. <laughs> we were. <laughs> we were in the audience. It's like a radar thing for. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no. <laughs> uh, um, what else, man? I don't know. 
I did. Is it something? Something with Joe Biden? Oh God! Most recently was the Jackie. Are you here, Jackie? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know that he was. He was giving a speech, and apparently there was a someone named Jackie se- senator that died in a car accident, like recently. Oh, and he tried to call her out in the audience, and she was she was dead. Yeah, and they you know they lambasted him for that. You ever see that clip where he's you know in giving a speech? He's in front of the crowd and he's talking to some senator or some some person. I don't know who the fuck they were. But he's like, uh, why don't you stand up for us? And the person's in a wheelchair. Yes, yes. So Golly, good. man. And he, he realizes he's like, oh, oh, what am I saying? It's so Oh, good. man. It's so funny. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I hope that there's no possible way that Joe Biden can could run again or be or if he did would be reelected. And I'm hoping the same is true for Kamala. We, they go, we got to do better than that, man. Yeah, I'm so. Um, whatever the op, whatever whatever the opposite of optimistic is, I'm drawing a blank. Pessimistic, pessimistic. Yeah, that's that's the one. yeah, yeah. I'm no, I'm just very pessimistic on that sort of thing. I mean, I think it's either going to be Biden again, maybe Kamala again. Like, I mean, uh, Buttigieg or, or Gavin Newsom. Yeah, one of those people. Terrible. Or it's going to be Trump. Terrible and, choices. You know, I guess I would like that better, but. I'm not a huge fan of Trump. No, uh, no, I, I I like some things about Trump very much, but overall, I'm not that big of a fan of Trump. I think that he's kind of ineffective, really. My interest in seeing Trump succeed has is solely, solely because I think it needs to be rubbed in the faces of the left. Yeah. It needs to be rubbed in the faces of the left that they don't know what people actually want. They pretend that they know everything and that they're the wise ones and that we're and that everyone else is uh, anybody who would disagree is is an idiot and all kinds of other terrible things. And I want I want them to be as wrong as possible because they're they have taken it so far. It needs to come back the other way. And the 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 longer it goes on, the worse the pullback is going to be. Yeah. It needs to happen. You know how much crazier can they get, man? Give them an opportunity, and I'm sure we'll fucking see. And the last thing we need is for the right to take over too much, only because as much as I want to see the left have their faces rubbed in this, I don't want the same problem on the other side of the aisle. I don't yeah. want to have a, you know, a a, a power dynamic that's one sided, especially with all the hostility between the parties right now, like. That's not what you need. Angry people with all the power, you know, trying to get back at you. Um, we just need adults. We just need a fucking adults running running shit, you know? Where are all the adults? Yeah, I mean, they are adults. They're uh, very old adults a lot of the time. And they're very rich old adults, too. So that's, you know. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. I think... Uh, Politicians should not be uh, should not be allowed to be rich, and they should they shouldn't be allowed to come from rich families even. Really? Yeah, because they're just out of touch, man. They're just totally out of touch. They don't know they don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like for real people, you know. And it's true with both sides of the aisle. A bunch of rich people went to Ivy League school. They have no fucking idea what it's like, really, you know. Yeah. We should, it should be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if like we want rich people do, um, it doing it. I don't know if we want poor people doing it. And I'll tell you why. Because 
Because poor people are stupid. No, 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 no. It's the it's the feast and famine mindset. Um, poor poor people are uh, way more susceptible to that psychology, feast or famine. It's like if uh, you put them in charge, and they're like, you know, we've been starving, and we've 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 not had you know all these things that we can now have. It's just like hood rich. That's what it is. It's like you know, it's 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 going to be one of those situations. It's it's not going to be good. Yeah. Not it. You can't trust people like that who've never had anything, who, and who suddenly have it. They Give don't. They the don't know what to do. Kingdom. No. What you need is middle of the road people. It's like the lottery thing, you know. Like people win the lottery and ruin their lives. Absolutely, absolutely. So maybe maybe just using middle lower lower middle class people would be good, or maybe uh, maybe a mixture of everybody. But right now it's only rich people. Yeah. And even if you aren't. As soon as you become a politician, then you become a rich person, you know? I just think uh, I'm okay with the rich people doing it. I'm okay with the elites doing it. But I just wish that the elites were more, less hostile to, like, the average person than they are right now. Listen, elites don't stay elites if they get hostile to the masses. They get fucking killed. Well, that's, uh, I mean... I mean... They're... They're kind of hostile at the moment, you know, like where they're begging for it. That, well, listen, man, I've seen, I'm trying to remember the French monarch that they, that they guillotined. Who was it? Robespierre? No, uh, was it Charles? I don't remember who it was. Oh, you said it was a king? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. or queen. Both, maybe? maybe. Anyway. They cut a that's, lot of that's the kind of shit. That's the there. kind of shit that happens when the elites no longer are, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say no longer represent the, the people. The circulation but, of the elites. We need, I mean, you know, you think, I don't want to say too much here, but. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's important to have elites? I don't, I mean, yes, I think it's important because it is something that will never not be, never. Well, it's like, it's like how we define it, though. You know, if elite means rich, um I mean, it does a lot of the time, but that's not the only, you know. What, what's the function of an elite? If they're if they're elite in terms of what is the function of the top of the hierarchy? Would you would you see? I don't think the elites are at the top of the hierarchy. I do. They're at the, at the top of a hierarchy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this, man. It's like uh, it's it's corrupted. If I were if I were if I had the best people to choose from and the people uh, vote and agree that this is the best person and that person rises to the top of the hierarchy that's going to be done f- based on merit it's going to be done based on personality and, and quality it's going to be based on all the kind of things that people look at and that seems fine that seems perfectly fine if that's how it's done but that's not how it's done mm. we don't get to pick from the best people um, and this and the way in which we select them is fucked you know there's entries to barrier. There, you know, incredible entries to barrier. Yeah, and you don't. I don't trust the results of them anyway. I don't. I don't. I've lost faith in all of the institutions. When all I, of them. When I talk about elites, I am not talking about politicians. I mean, you talk about intellectual elites. You're talking about. You're talking about thought leaders. Who, sure, who are we talking sure. about? Sure, I'm man? talking about all of those things. Um, which you know, maybe sometimes a thought leader is a politician, but a lot of the time they're not. Um, I don't think that politicians are the elites most, the vast majority of the time. Um, 
So I would, I mean, I would agree with you on that. I think that the elites are, yeah, there's different categories that you can be elite in. Um, I think the elites that are like calling the shots, the people that are, you know, forming policy behind the scenes mm-hmm. with money, yep. with lots and lots of money. Um, and who knows what else they're doing to get these things in place. Um, I think those kind of people tend to be like, you know, billionaire type people. What what concerns me is that those people, in order to do those things, have to be in cahoots with the government or at least in some relationship with the government. That I'm so suspicious of that. I, 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 like, I like the idea that somebody who finds themselves at the top of the hierarchy earned it. You know, somebody like somebody like Elon Musk, let's say. You don't get to the top of a hierarchy without earning it, though, really. That's, Do you? That's true, but when we talk about politics, it's corrupted. It's, they're still, yeah, they're still earning it, but they're earning it in a way they shouldn't. It shouldn't yeah, work that way. I agree with but that. But there are instances where it, where it works as it should, where people rise to the top because that's the natural flow of things. Those people we should admire, and those people often will have the power and resources to to uh, you know, push and pull and, and, and do things at you know, higher levels. I just wish that that was organic and what in the government wasn't involved. You know, I wish social movements and technological movements and all of that was com- was completely independent of the government. And it should be, and it can be, and it's not, you know? True. I just want to be able to respect and admire someone who fucking deserves it. And instead, we respect and admire politicians and celebrities. And it's like, those are, those are, that's the kind of attention we should be paying to examples who deserve it. Such as? Such as... You know, great artists and great thinkers and great inventors and, and you know, peacemakers and, and, you know, innovators. True. I don't know, man. Respect. So they're like Rodney Dangerfield out here. <laughs> Kid, no respect. Yeah, Got, man. Anything else? Um, There is still one thing that I wanted to talk. Damn. I got I to gotta start taking notes, man. Yeah, yeah. Can't be expected to remember you all these always things. always think, oh, no, I won't forget yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. But then well, you always do. That is exactly do. what I thought. I was like, I, I yeah. won't forget that. That's why I wrote down a couple things, man. That's uh, a bitch. That's the first lesson of podcasting. When you say, when you think to yourself, I'll remember that. You fucking won't. You probably won't. 86% of the time. It works every time. 86% of the time. All right, you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, should we say anything? About what? I don't know. The situation. <laughs> what situation, man? I don't know. I just meant like uh I think we should, in the in the beginning would be better. Like we gotta like start getting things out more, you know? I don't know what the fuck you talking about. <laughs> I'm just kid. talking about like Twitter and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Do that at the opening. Yeah. You wanna put it in? Nope. I'm just joking. We've never we've literally never done that before ever edited anything so no i'm not a fan of editing I i'm i just don't know how so yeah it's easy to do on this man is it yeah well it's not it's not super difficult but uh i just want it to be authentic man and if we fuck up and we say 12 months instead of nine months of of gestation full head of teeth. It, it needs to be a full <laughs> head of teeth it needs to be out there for the world to hear forever you know people make mistakes yeah we get over it onward and upwards Ho. 
Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.